I, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. If you were to summarize the heart of Christian doctrine, doctrine means truth, teaching. If you were to try to summarize the heart of Christian doctrine, of biblical doctrine, you could summarize that in one word. Grace. The heart of Christian doctrine is grace. The heart, though, of Christian ethics, that means what do you do in response to grace? How should I live? The heart of Christian ethics, I said, is gratitude. So we can summarize the Bible in this way. The heart of God towards sinners, grace. The response of sinners towards, to grace, gratitude. It's really that simple. We should just pray and go back to worship. That, that's what it is. Like God is gracious. He's, he, he treats us not like our sins deserve, but he shows us mercy, unmerited favor. Jesus dies in our place. It's what we were singing about this morning. The heart of Christian doctrine is grace. The heart of Christian ethics is gratitude. That's what this series has been all about. When we talk about giving, when we talk about generosity, we're talking about a response to God. We're not talking about trying to earn something from God. Now, I started out by asking you about our feelings. Like, what should our attitude be? That's, that's an assessment of a, of a feeling. So in the church, feelings can be tricky. Some, some churches you go in and, 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 and like feelings and emotions, they're like Satan. But then you can go into other churches sometimes and there can be like a, this whole experience of emotion, but I don't know what they're emotional about. So we don't want to be the people, we don't be the, the type of people that elevate an emotional response over and, and against and, and, and is more important than the grace of God in Jesus, but we also don't want to be a, a people that are emotionless and, and can't, can't get too happy in there. And we don't want to be that way. And I dare say when we go through summer playlist and read some of the Psalms, David wasn't that way. We should actually pay attention to our feelings towards God. That's actually important. Your feelings towards God and your feelings about God are things that you should pay attention to. I, you see this. David just wears his heart on his sleeve. And he, but his emotions aren't always right. We, the scripture tells us that he was a man after God's own heart. But it also tells us that David was angry with God. David was fearful of God. Fearful in the wrong sense. But he also was a man who trusted God. He was a man who loved God. We should pay attention to our feelings towards God. Where do our sympathies lie? With ourselves? 
or with God. So what I want to offer you is when we answer this question, how should we give? We're talking about our attitudes, and it's ultimately an attitude towards God. Generosity is an expression of an attitude towards God. What are the attitudes that should accompany generosity and generous giving? I'm going to try to give you five. Let's go. You ready? I'm going to, do, I'm going to use adverbs for all five. I'm going to take them right from the scriptures. Adverbs describe, you remember, right? Students, young people in here, you've had your grammar lessons. Adverbs describe verbs. So if the verb is giving, what are the adverbs that describe it? I'll give you five. Our giving should be done voluntarily. Number one. Generosity is something that is done voluntarily. It's not to be done. It's not to be done in a way where you feel like you're put under pressure. That's not voluntarily. We, Paul is not, I am not, the pastors are not endeavoring to, to, to mobilize you to give by pushing you into reluctant action. That's not, that wouldn't please the Lord. What we see here is a group of people that are, be, are being given some space to think about this, to make a considered judgment, to do the best they can with what they have. And we see it right here, chapter nine, verse three. He says, I'm sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter, so that you may be ready. You see what he's saying there? He's, 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 there's a readiness that he's calling for, as I said you would be. Otherwise, and he talks about the embarrassment that they would experience if they weren't ready. And then he says, so I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised so that it may be ready. What does it say, church? As a willing, a willing gift. That's where I, take, that's where I get the word voluntary. It's, it's willing. And then he defines the willingness by telling you what it's not. Not as an, what does it say? An exaction. Not as an exaction. The Greek word for exaction is like active greed. So that someone's trying to exact something from you for their motivation being greed. Squeezing out of people a donation that they really don't want to give. It's not the way it's supposed to be done. Paul moves from... This, this idea that our giving should be willing, should be vo done voluntarily, to talking about cheerfulness. That's going to be the second point. But he says, God loves a cheerful giver. Verse 7, right? No gi giver will ever be cheerful who wishes they didn't have to give at all. Right? 
You're not going to be a cheerful giver if it's being exacted from you. There needs to be a, our giving attitude must include, one of the attitudes must be this idea that our giving, our generosity is done voluntarily. Okay, let's move on to the next one. Cheerfully. So our giving should be done voluntarily. How should, our, how should we give? We should give voluntarily. How should we give? We should give cheerfully. It's there, right? God loves a cheerful giver. Where does the cheerfulness come from? I think it comes from, I think the next verse explains where the cheerfulness comes from. Look at what it says. And God is able to do what? To make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times. Do you hear the all, 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 God, all? Let me read it again. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Do you know what, guys? That's a happy thought unless you missed it. That's a thought that should make you cheerful, that, that God is able to make all grace abound to you. He's making all grace, just, all of, just imagine all of God's grace. You can't even imagine it. It's infinite. We couldn't possibly imagine it. And he's making all of that abound to you. Lord. So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, this is what he's promising. You're going to have sufficiency in all things at all times so that you're going to abound in every good work. I asked you a question. Where does the cheerfulness come from? It comes from that. Those who give as generously as they can are giving with this anchored confidence in God that he has always been good, he is being good, and he will be good. Some of my friends in their churches will say it this way. God is good all the time. Some of you have been to my friends' churches. And all the time, God is good. That's what makes for a cheerful giver. It doesn't matter how much you ha excess you have. It doesn't, different salaries represented in this, in this whole congregation. You're sitting next to someone that might have more than you. You're sitting next to someone that might have less than you. That's not the point. The point is that we all, in light of God's grace that is abounding to us, all of his grace abounding to us, should produce this heart of gratitude, the ethic of gratitude that results in giving that would be defined as Cheerful. It's this lightness of spirit that you experience when you do this because it's informed by grace. So giving should not feel like a lead weight. <laughs> you know, get my check out, <laughs> get back to the box. <laughs> It, it, it shouldn't be like 
um, the check that you dread writing or the, or the online payment that you dread, that you dread making. Like, I want to pay all my bills, and then I'll go to my desk and labor to do this thing that I know God expects of me. That's a wrong attitude. It's an, the action is an expression of gratitude for grace in the past, and this faith in God's faithfulness towards you into an eternal future. And it shouldn't be a surprise that God sustains in happiness a heart that feels his love. You with me? I'm really hopeful for some in the congregation of Brandywine Grace because there's got to be some that have never done this in a way that experiences the exhilaration that comes from cheerfully giving to God this way. It's like, I was thinking about it this morning as I was thinking about this point. Like I, I, One of the things we really want all of you to experience is that grace abounding to you and the cheerfulness that coincides with giving to God what is his. Being generous, experiencing gratitude. So this isn't about how can we get more money for the budget? How can we do? No, no. this is about people, God's people actually experiencing the exhilarating, lightning effect of responding to his grace by being generous with what he's entrusted to you. It's an exhilarating feeling. I feel almost like a drug pusher. I I want you to experience the exhilaration that comes from God loving you as a cheerful giver. Have you experienced that? Do you want to experience that? You can experience it. And some of you are in for it. You're You're going to be surprised to discover what an exhilarating feeling it is to give cheerfully to God. So we're talking about attitudes, all right? I want to keep moving here. We're talking about attitudes. First one was our giving should be done voluntarily. Second one should be done cheerfully. On to the third. The third way our giving should be described, our attitude, is that it should be done systematically. Okay? I like the humming I'm hearing, or the umming I'm hearing in here. It tells me that you're paying attention. Voluntarily cheerfully, systematically. Where do I get that from? Well, I get it right from the same verse in, you could take it from verses three through five. He's sending the brothers ahead. Why? So that we won't prove empty in this matter so that you can get ready. He's giving them time to get ready. He wants them to set aside a little bit. And he said that in chapter eight. He's talking about like you should be setting aside some of this systematically. Don't wait until the week we take up the offering and give to God whatever you got left at the end of the week. He's saying, no, this should be done. Our approach to generosity is something that should be done systematically. It should be planned out. That's what we see. I thought it necessary to urge you to arrange in advance. We should be arranging in advance for the gift that we're going to give God. You shouldn't get caught off guard when Dave or one of the other pastors mentions the offering. Oh, what I got in here? I got a couple bucks. That, that's not the approach we should give to giving. 
should be systematic. We should be giving thought to this. As much as you think about paying your other bills, you ought to think about your generosity to God. Should be planned. Should be prayed about. Should be thoroughly thought out. As you take an, an account of all your financial obligations, you should be thinking about your, gener your generosity to God and to others. It shouldn't be... Our, our, our giving should not be described as irresponsibly, but systematically. One of the things you won't hear me say is that giving should not be done guiltily. It's not one of the adverbs. I remember hearing a story once of a, of a man who made significant contributions into the church's offering after every weekend that he visited a prostitute. His giving was a lot of things. We could do a whole lesson on this, but it wasn't systematic. It was sporadic, and it was done as an, as an expression of guilt. God, let me pay you off for the bad things I've done. It's not in line with anything that Paul is describing in 2 Corinthians 9. We do not give to atone for our sin. We give because Jesus has atoned for our sin. Somebody needed to sit down with that man and help him to understand that. And not just take his big offerings and not say anything. Our giving should be systematic. There should be a realistic readiness to our giving. So just practically speaking, like, this is something that I think all of us should be doing. For Amy and I, this is the way it looks. Every month, we sit down near the end of one month and we look to the next month. And we, have, uh, uh, we know how much money is coming in. And then we tell every single dollar where to go. We plan. It's systematic. We're not caught off guard by how much we should give to the Lord this, this month. We know. We know we're, we're giving to the Lord in this way. We use 10%. It's like we got all of our income, just like the napkin that the family shared with me. We was taking it like we got this much coming in before, before taxes. And, and so we're giving a 10% of that. That's what we're doing. And I think, I've mentioned to you, I think tithing is a good, it's a, it can be a helpful tool or a crutch to use until you start really living with a generous heart. We sit down and we, we look at the dollars that are coming in and we tell every single one of those dollars what category they're going into for that month. Now, does that mean it, it functions exactly that way, like we laid it out at the beginning of the month and then it looks exactly like that at the end of the month? No. Do you have cars and teenagers? <laughs> I had to spend way more money on cars this last month than I told to go into the car bucket. 
But if you're systematic, you can deal with that. So our giving towards God should be systematic. Is that your attitude? Is it a systematic thing or is it just kind of a sporadic thing? It's when the, when the, when the, when the feelings move me. No, it should be systematic. All right, let's keep cruising. So I've said we're describing our attitudes. Our giving should be done voluntarily, should be done cheerfully, should be done systematically. Let me make this point because it's an obvious one, but we're not going to spend a lot of time on it because I think I've been preaching it pretty faithfully for the last, uh, for the entirety of this series. Our giving should be done sacrificially. Sacrificially. What do I mean there? It's, it's this whole idea that our giving is in response to God's generosity. God's, God's been generous to us in a sacrificial way. It came at great cost to himself. And so our giving ought to look sacrificial as well. So when you think about your giving, you should use that category, that attitude to describe it. Is it these things? Is my giving voluntary? Is my giving cheerful? Is my giving systematic? Is my giving sacrificial. That's between you and the Lord. We've said it this way. We should give, we believe that generosity is giving all that you willingly, easily, reasonably, and comfortably can, and then proving our zeal by giving some more. Tithing, good place to start. If you're not giving anything, then sacrifice might be starting to give something. How much? I don't know. Give a percent. Start somewhere. I pray that this series prompts you to respond to God's grace in that way. So attitudes towards giving. We're talking about giving that is done voluntarily. We're talking about giving that's done cheerfully, systematically, sacrificially, and lastly, cooperatively, cooperatively. This whole letter is devoted to explaining to the Corinthians the the collection that's being taken up along with other churches for poverty that's being experienced by the, by the, the, the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. It's a cooperative effort. And in Chapter 8, verse 10, he talked about this. In matter, I give my judgment. This benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So now finish it, so that your readiness may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. There's this cooperation. And then Paul does something really interesting here. I find interesting when I was studying this. And when I was just reading it, Paul begins to use this concept of fair shares. It's right here. I'll read it. You listen along. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness. As a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time 
should supply their need. So he's talking to these people that are experiencing abundance. He's saying, your abundance is going to help those that are right now experiencing a season of need so that one day when the tables are turned, and that's what he's talking about, one day you may be experiencing need and you'll need the abundance of others. I don't mean that matters others should be eased and you burdened, but as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need that there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over and whoever gathered little had no lack. What Paul is talking here about is not equal giving. So we don't put a price tag on membership. Like, if you're a partner of Brandywine Grace, we all give this line. No, that's not what is being said here. What he's saying is that it shouldn't be defined by equal giving, but equal sacrifice. We're doing this cooperatively. So all of us, sacrificing together, throw our resources in a pot, if you will, towards God, and then together we're able to do the mission. Execute our vision for the fame and glory of Jesus. And Paul is saying that, that somehow when this is done together, it actually deepens our fellowship with one another. You know, if you were to... I'll get the band to return. If, you were, if we were able... To, to ask the question and answer it. Who is the most generous person at Brandywine Grace? I don't think we should go looking for the person who gave the most to Brandywine Grace. What we should do is, and we're not doing this, but we're using an illustration here, what we should look for is the person who sacrificed the most. That's why Jesus, remember Jesus is watching the offering taking place, and people are walking up there all proud, dumping big loads of money in. And then this little widow huddles over there, poor, she's got nothing. She drops, she's got two mites. She drops one of them, you know, both of them into the offering basket. And Jesus makes a, 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 a real startling observation. She gave more than the rest of those guys. How could he say that? Because she gave all she had. Sacrifice. The person that might be experiencing the, the greatest joy of God's grace abounding to them in their cheerful giving might not be who you think. What I think Paul is saying here is we shouldn't be dependent upon other partners at Brandywine Grace to carry the load. We shouldn't, we shouldn't build our budget in a way that's hopeful that the people with means will pick up the slack for the rest of us. I remember Tim Tebow saying once, hard work beats talent if talent won't work hard. 
Now, if talent works hard, you're going to have a hard time beating it. <laughs> but the point he's making is, and it's, I think it's important for us, we're all in this together, team. We want everybody on the field playing in the game. What you don't want is a group of talented people on the field taking up space, taking up space but not really giving it their all. I'd way rather have a whole team of people who have mediocre talent, but they'll run through walls for you than a bunch of prima donnas who, who can't get anything done because they're so lazy and they won't work hard. That's what God's looking for from us. It's not this, you don't have to have the same talents as the person standing next to you. All you have to do is do the best you can with what God's given you. Let me just end with this. Last year, around this time, I stood before all of you, and, and, and on behalf of the pastors, I said, you know, we want to make an investment into the future. And so we did something. For the first time in our history, we budgeted a deficit. And we used money from savings to hire more staff, to hire Gabe. One, let me just say, I'm so glad that we did that. But I remember sitting in the, the 207 over here with the elders just, just before the Lord thinking, wow, should we do this? What should we do? We're praying. We're asking God. We felt as a team that we should do this. We stood before the church. Within a week, Someone had given $90,000, not as their regular giving, not, I'm, I don't even know if it was in response to what we shared. It was God moving on their heart to be generous. Here's the point. God's going to take care of us, church. God's going to provide for us. He wants us to live on mission and the giving that, that, that he wants to see from us is giving that would be described as done voluntarily, done cheerfully, done systematically, done sacrificially, done cooperatively. Why? So that God gets the glory. And when God gets the glory, that's good for us. So may God cause us, let's stand together, may God cause us to become the big-hearted generous people that I know the scriptures have called us to be. Thank God for 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 because it gives us instruction on how to, to give generously to God and to others. Amen.